theyeshiva.net. Our previous classes, we learned together Rambam Hilchis Malachim, chapter 11, Pedicure Aleph, where the Rambam discusses the coming of Mashiach. The Rambam discussed over there what Mashiach is going to accomplish. The Rambam said somebody who doesn't believe in Mashiach, who doesn't await his coming, is denying not only the prophets, but also Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu, and brings the sources for Mashiach in Chumash. He speaks about the prophecy. At the end of Chumash, Parshas Nitzavim, everybody's going to return to Eretz Yisrael, V'shav Hashem He speaks about the prophecy of Bilam, about David and Mashiach, the first Mashiach and the last Mashiach. He speaks about the mitzvah of Ari Miklat. Then the Rambam says, don't think Mashiach has to make miracles or resurrect the dead or make new things in the world. And he proves it from the fact that Rabbi Akiva and all of the, all of the sages of the generation thought that Ben Kuziva, Shimon Bar Koichva, was Mashiach until he was killed and they realized he was not and they did not demand from him a miracle. And then finally, the Rambam in the last halach of chapter 11 discusses the criteria of the person who we assume would be Mashiach when we see these, these criteria. He has to be a melech from Beis David, immersed in Torah, involved in mitzvahs, compels all the Jewish people to follow the Torah, he fights the wars of Hashem, and then we can assume he's Mashiach. And then if he's successful, he's victorious, he pulls the Beis HaMikdash, he gathers the Jewish people back to Yisrael, he's certainly Mashiach. And then the Ramam discusses how he's going to repair the whole world and bring the whole world into a consciousness of oneness, serving Hashem. He also discusses the, the development of Christianity and Islam, which despite the fact that they brought and wreaked havoc and terror, nonetheless, in God's mysterious way, they also paved the road for the consciousness of oneness, the Geula consciousness that will pervade the world when Mashiach actually comes. Today we continue with Perik Shnei Maser, the 12th chapter of Rambam Hilchis Malachim. We're going to learn some of it inside, and then we're going to learn the Sicha of the Lubavitcher Rebbe on this Perik in Rambam, Perik Shnei Maser. But first, let's begin with the Rambam so we have the whole context. So please open up Rambam Hilchis Malachim, Perik Shnei Maser, and that's actually the last chapter of Rambam. This is the last chapter of the Rambam's Mishnah Torah. And we're going to learn inside. Zog the Rambam, Aleph. Al yala al halev shebemaysa Mashiach yibatal davamim in hagei Don't think that during the days of Mashiach, something of the nature of the world is going to be obliterated. There's going to be a new, unprecedented innovation in the work of creation. The days of Mashiach, the world is going to follow its ordinary and natural patterns. I have a great question. Yeshaya, Peter, Isaiah chapter 11, the prophet speaks about Mashiach coming, there's going to be Mashiach, the wolf shall live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie with the goat. No, the wolf living with the lamb in peace, and the leopard with the goat, this is not natural. (laughs) According to the laws of the jungle, when the leopard sees the goat, or the wolf sees the lamb, the wolf devours the lamb. So how could the Rambam say, he's asking on himself, that Mashiach is not going to transform the nature of the world, says the Rambam, Marshal v'chida. These words in Yeshaya and Isaiah are a metaphor and a parable. 
The Indian Hadavan will explain to you what the metaphor is. She Yisrael Yoshvin Lebetach Im Rishe Akum HaMeshulam Kizeivanamer. It's a metaphor that the Jewish people are going to dwell in security and peace with the wicked ones of the idolaters who are compared to the wolf and the leopard. So even though throughout history you had all of those toxic forces of venomous hate and anti-Semitism that wanted persecuted goodness and hunted down good people and hunted down the Jewish people, when Mashiach comes, the wolf will lie with the lamb as a metaphor that all the nations will experience camaraderie and brotherhood and love and unity. Shenemar, the Pasuk says, Ze'ev aravais yeshadadem, v'namer shaykad alareim, it's a verse in Yirmiya, where he speaks about the wolf coming from the forest is going to rob, and the re- leopard is shaykad alareim, is, um, is hastening to attack their cities. And it's a metaphor for various nations who are overtaken by the quest for, to conquer and to denigrate and to persecute. Everybody will return to the religion of truth. They will not steal from each other. They will not destroy each other. Everybody will eat and consume things that are permissible. In peace, together with the Jewish people, Shanema, as the Pasuk says, the, the lion, like the cattle, will eat straw. Similarly, anything that you read, similar to the above statement, in the theme of Mashiach, you should understand that these are all metaphors. And when Mashiach comes, we will become aware what the metaphor was for and what they intimated with this metaphor. In other words, the Rambam is saying, now we read a lot of these verses, we may not know what these metaphors represent. One he explained, the wolf will live with the lamb. But the other ones he says, when Mashiach comes, we will see the illustration of these metaphors and parables. Let's take a look right here before we go to Halacha Beis. The Rambam says, you see, he finishes Halacha, and there's a commentary from the Raivet. Rabbeinu Avram ben David, Asagas Raivet says, Omer Avram, How can the Rambam say, asks the Raivet, that when Mashiach comes, the world will follow the natural trajectory of things. When the Pasuk predicts in Parshas I will eliminate wild beasts from the land. That's not natural. There are undomesticated beasts. It's a question of the Raivan and the Rambam. We'll get to it. The Rambam continues, Halacha base. Abru Chacham and the sages said, Ein ben Elam Hazalim, Aysa Mashiach, Elashibud Malchiz Bulvat. There is no difference between this world and the days of Mashiach besides the subjugation of the kingdoms. Clearly, this is proof to the Rambam if the sages said that the only difference between this world and the world of Mashiach is that in this world the Jewish people are still subjugated and they live often under tyranny or dictatorship or oppression or anti-Semitism. But then they're going to be free, they're going to be emancipated. But this is not a change in the order of the world. This is not a change in nature. This is still all part of nature. It's just that people will be united, people will be cognizant of who they really are, and people will live up to their positive and divine potential. And then the Rambam continues a long discussion in Halacha Beis and Halacha Gimel about the war of Goig and Magog, about the coming of Elio Hanavi. And now I want to go with you to the last two Halachas, Halacha Dalet and Halacha Hei. Halacha Dalet. 
The sages and the prophets did not create for the days of Mashiach. Not that they should rule over the whole world. And not that they should dominate all the nations. And not that the nations should exalt them. And not just to eat and drink and rejoice. That's not why they wanted Mashiach. Rather, they should have time, they should be open to be able to live and dwell in Torah and its wisdom. They shouldn't have any oppressor and anybody who takes them away from Torah and its wisdom. So that they should be able to merit the ultimate life of Olam Haba through Torah and its wisdom. As we explained in Shuva, that's why they wanted Mashiach. And now the Rambam concludes the entire Mishnah Torah, the last halacha, halacha of chapter 12 of Hilchus Malach. During that time, that time, which time? The time of Mashiach. There will not be hunger, or war, or jealousy, or negative competitiveness. Because goodness will be excessively abundant. And all of the delicacies in life, all of the delicious things in life, will be as common and natural as dust. They will be so abundant. So there won't be war, there won't be hunger, there won't be jealousy, there won't be competitiveness. There'll be so much goodness. Everybody will have. So the Rambam says, the occupation of the whole world will be one thing, to know God. That will be the ASIC, the involvement, the business of the entire universe. All of civilization will be evolved and immersed in divine Awareness, the awareness and the consciousness of the divine. The Jews will be great sages. They will become aware of the secrets of life. They will become cognizant and comprehend the perception of their creator. They'll acquire their creator's mind according to the capacity of a human being. Shanemar, as the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, the same chapter, chapter 11, The earth, the world, will be filled with divine awareness like water covers the sea. This is how the Pasuk describes the days of Mashiach. From here the Rambam has the proof, the foundation, that the whole world is going to be involved in Ladas as Hashem Balvad, saturated with divine consciousness, with divine oneness, with divine awareness. This is Rambam Hilchis Malachim Perikid Beis. I mentioned to you in the past that the Lubavitcher Rebbe would make during the year publicly approximately six siyumim. Sometimes a siyum on the whole shas, and sometimes a siyum on an individual mesechta. This was during the yard sites. He would do it often on his birthday at Aleph Nissen. And then uh, the yard site of his uh, of his father Chafav, yard site of his mother Vav Tishrei, yard site of his father-in-law the Rebbe Rayatz Yud very often Erev Shvuas before Shvuas and Yutas Kislev as well, and sometimes on other occasions. But this was very common. Yud Aleph in his birthday would make a siyum, and uh, Erev Shvuas number two Chafav his father's yard site Vav Tishrei his mother's yard site Yutas Kislev the Chagagula of the Balatanya when they would make a siyum Ashas of the whole Shas, and Yutshvat, the yard site of his predecessor, the, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayat. Sometimes the Rebbe would make Siyumim other times as well. 
but these these dates were often not always, but we would make regular siyumim every year during these dates. In Tavshin Lamed Gimel, 1973, Yer Aleph the Rebbe made a siyum on a hundred amaseches ksuvas. And this was the Rebbe's 71st birthday. Yer Aleph Nissen, Tavshin Lamed Gimel, 1973, he made a siyum on ksuvas, and it was also a siyum on the whole Rambam, a mission to the Rambam. Now this is years before he instituted the learning of Rambam, which would only be instituted Pesach 1984. So this is this is 11 years earlier, but he made a siyum on ksuvas and a siyum on Rambam. He continued it in four parts, four shiurim, four fabrengans. Yud Aleph Nissen was the first part of the Sea among Suvis. That's when he really brought out the point. And then he continued it the next Shabbos, Shabbos Hagadol. And then he continued the Hadron Ang Suvis and Rambam Achron Shal Pesach. And then he completed it the Shabbos after Pesach, Shabbos Parshas Achere, I think, Mavarchim Hachaydish Ir. Later it was printed, 1985, I think, and it's printed in Lakute Sichis. Parshas Bechukaisai, volume 27. A very long sicha. A lot of footnotes. Later, it was published, translated and published in the Dvar Malchus, which is, contains the Rambam, Hilchis, Malach, and Perikid Aleph, and Perikid Beis, and a few sichas, a few of the shiurim and presentations and talks of the Lubavitcher Rebbe on Rambam, Hilchis, Malach, and published in that Kuntus Dvar Malchus that we're now learning. In our previous year, we focused on the Rebbe's Sichis on Perik Yud Aleph that was said in 1978, printed in Chelik Yud Ches, Lekut Sichis, Parshas Balak, and that is really an introduction to this year. So I want to encourage you, if you didn't hear the Shir on Perik Yud Aleph, Ilchis Malachim, what is Mashiach, the Rambam's view, part one and part two, it would be very worthwhile to go back and listen to it. You could do it on double speed. As I said, double speed was created for my classes because they're long, sometimes. And you can go to theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net. And if you, uh, if you go to recent classes or you put in search, uh, uh, Rambam, Malach, Mashiach, it should come up and you could see the two classes on the previous sicha of the Rebbe explaining Pedigud Aleph. Tonight we begin this sicha of Tavshin Lamed Gimel, the Siyam Anksubis, which explains Perikyud Beis. Not all of Perikyud Beis, part of Perikyud Beis of the Rambam. We're going to learn inside. We're going to learn inside. It's, it's one of the longest sichas of the Rebbe. So we're going to do it in two parts. Tonight, Beis Hashem, we're going to do part one. And Sunday morning, 10 o'clock a.m., we do part two. Okay, let's begin. Again, if you didn't open your source sheet, sorry for my repeating myself. I want you to be able to follow inside. Go to the yeshiva.net. Go to this class. It's on top of the homepage. And open up your source sheet so you could follow inside. Even though the sicha was said in Yiddish and published in Yiddish, and you could follow it in Yiddish, but we're going to do it here in the Hebrew translations. Everybody can understand. Simen Gimel, Shteit Kufes, Bemeis HaMashiach, Aleph. This is a gewaldike, gewaldike sicha with a gewaldike chiddish that the Rebbe brings out in the Rambam, and he shows it in the Rambam, and really gives us a whole powerful perspective how the Rambam defines what Mashiach is, what Gu'ula, and it's a direct continuation, as I said, to the previous shear that we had, Simen Aleph of Dvar Malchus, Rambam Pedikut Aleph, what is Mashiach according to the Rambam? What is this concept called Mashiach? Why do we believe in him? Why do we wait for him? And this is a direct continuation, so we see how the two chapters of the Rambam are so interconnected and how every word and expression and detail in the Rambam is so meticulous as we will, Be'ezir Hashem, explain during the shear. Okay, let's begin. Because I want to cover ground, I'm going to go a little fast here. But 
If you have any questions, you can ask questions. And I'll look at it, I'll look at it soon, and I'll take some questions if there are. Okay. Sif Aleph. Bepedek Hasiyum de Hilchis Malachim Kosova Rambam. In the last chapter of Hilchis Malachim, the Rambam writes, and the Rebbe now quotes the whole Halacha Aleph, which we did already. Al Yala ala Lev Shev Maisa Mashiach, Chivata Dovim and Hagish, Eloilam Ayisham Chidish Maisa Bereshis, Eloilam Kim and Hagish, Noig Vizeshnam and Yishaya Vagarzev, Marshal Vachida, She Yisrael Yashin Levetachim Nishayakam and Meshulam Kazeev and Namer. I'm not translating it because I just did in the Rambam. We're going to get later in the Sicha. But let's now continue the Rambam, what he's saying. Now let's go to the Rambam for a moment. The Rambam here set forth a powerful statement. Don't let it come up on your heart that Mashiach is going to change the world. It's going to be a new world order, a different type of world. The natural phenomenon, phenomena is going to be altered. Don't think that's going to happen. Everything is going to follow the patterns of nature the way it was before Mashiach. The difference is Shibud Malchist. There won't be exile anymore. There won't be subjugation, tyranny, oppression, Givaldic. But isn't this a direct contradiction to clear statements of Chazal? Chazal said, in Teres Koenim, which was one of the earliest Medrashim of Chazal on Seif of Ayikra, it's called Teres Koenim, on the Pasuk in Bechukaisa, where Hashem promises that the Eitz HaSad, the Yitim period, the trees of the field will produce its fruit, Minayin Shafilon Esrak, Asidim Lias Ois Imperius, Talmud Loima, the Eitz HaSad, the Yitim period. How do we know that when Mashiach comes, even barren trees are going to produce fruits from the Pasuk Ve'etz HaSada Yitin period. The, the, the tree of the field will give its fruits. If you take a look at Masech Ksuvas, Mamish the end, at the end of Ksuvas, Amar Rebchiyah Barashi, Amar Rav. These are the last words of Masech Ksuvas. Rebchiyah, the son of Ashi, said in the name of Rav, Asidin Kaliloni, Srakshavet Soshi Yitanu Peris. All of the wild, barren trees in Eretz Yisrael are going to carry fruits. Shenemar, the Pasuk says, in Yoyal, Joel chapter 2, Ki eitz nasa piryoy te'ena ve'gefen nas nuchela. The tree carried its fruit. The fig and the vine produced their strength. Shazau eifoy inyin shabitum anagashalayla. So Gemara learns from this redundancy. It says the tree carried the fruit. And the fig and the vine gave it strength. So it already speaks about the fig and the vine. What does the Pasuk first speak about? The tree. This teaches us that even that tree, that's not a fig tree. It's not a vine. It's a barren tree. That tree will also produce fruits. But friends, isn't this bitum in Hagashaloilam? Doesn't this represent a change of the structure of nature? These are barren trees. These are Ilone Srak. They're infertile. They're not capable of producing fruits. 
And that's why for thousands of years they never produced fruits. And suddenly these trees are going to produce fruits. This is a clear Gemara in Ksuvis. Rav says this. It's a clear Torah's Kainim. Chazal say this. They learn it out from the Psukim. They Rambam. How could the Rambam argue with this? And it's not like the Gemara continues and says, oh, there's another opinion that this is not true. No, this is the one singular opinion that everybody agrees with. So I, I know what you're thinking. What's the answer? What's a good answer for this? The Rambam asks the question. We don't have to ask questions. The Rambam already said, the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, the wolf will live with the lamb. And the Rambam said, it's a metaphor. So that's it. According to the Rambam, these statements of the sages are also a metaphor and a parable. They don't mean physically barren trees will give fruits. It's a metaphor. It's an allegory. I'll give you an example. The Gemara tells us that trees that are fertile, that produce food, represent scholars. As he brings footnote 16, the source, Tainas Dav Zayin. Fruits that don't, trees that don't produce fruits represent Amayaretz. People who are completely ignorant. It's a beautiful idea. Chazal metaphorically wanted to bring out that when Mashiach comes, everybody will be saturated with Torah wisdom. Everybody will be saturated with divine wisdom. Even the barren trees representing Amayaretz, they will also produce fruits. Okay, wonderful metaphor. That's not a change in the nature of the world. So just like the Rambam took the verse in Yeshaya, the wolf will live with the lamb. And he explained it doesn't mean literal. It, it's not it's not to be understood literally. It's to be understood allegorically. So the same is true with all these statements of the Chazal in Ksuvis and Teres Kayanim. There's other interpretations you can give. He gives, gives in 18 another interpretation. The Gemara says in Masech Saita that fruits represents mitzvahs. So the Rebbe says, even those Jews that today are considered barren trees, they don't produce fruits. In other words, they don't do mitzvahs. When Mashiach comes, they're going to be filled with fruit. They'll be filled with mitzvahs. Another beautiful metaphor. Just to bring out the refinement of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's language. In footnote 18, he writes, Shagam elu rak mitzvahs kirimin, Instead of saying even those Jews who don't do any mitzvahs, or those Jews who are Paisha Yisrael, who are sinners, the way the Rebbe puts it is, even those Jews who today, they are filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate, because the Gemara says in Brachas and Chagiga, that even the sinners of Jews are filled with mitzvahs like pomegranates. When Mashiach comes, they're going to do a lot of mitzvahs and maizim, even more than a pomegranate. Focus and learn from the language of how he's expressing this idea. But it's really not possible to say this. First of all, it's easier to explain a posik as metaphoric. When it says the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lay with the goat, you can appreciate the idea that it's a metaphor. It doesn't mean literally the goat and the lamb, the, the lamb and the goat. Not the lamb and the goat. The wolf and the lamb and the leopard and the goat, it's a metaphor. When it comes to the Chazal, to the Gemara, Tanoim and Amiraim, and they say, Rav says that the trees in Eretz Yisrael are going to be giving fruits, even the barren trees, to say that it's a metaphor is much more far-fetched. That's number one. But in this case, it's even more difficult. Because even if you could say 
that you could explain it as a metaphor. Even Gemara, you can explain it as a metaphor. But let's 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 look at context. In Torah's Kayanim, it doesn't just say barren fruits will give, barren trees will give fruits. It's in context of a whole series of physical blessings. The Torah's Kayanim explains the previous sentence. The earth will produce its vegetation and the tree of the field will produce its fruits. So the Torah's Kayanim explains. What does it mean? Not the way that trees and the earth vegetate now, but the way it was originally in the time of Adam Harishan. You planted and the growth happened that very day. Furthermore, the eights itself, you can eat the bark of the tree just like the fruit. The bark, the tree itself was edible. What all this is metaphor? <laughs> all this is allegory. When the Torah Skyrim says that the state of botany is gonna be the way it was in the times of other Mauritian. What is this a metaphor for Tamid Chachamim? You're talking about other Mauritian. That's also a metaphor. Doesn't make sense. So obviously you have to explain the Torah Skyanim here in literal in, in, in at, at, to be literal. You're talking about the physical thing. You're saying the way the trees used to behave in the times of other Mauritian. So what is that, all a metaphor? No, he's saying, when you plant it, it grew that day. You planted seeds, whether it's, uh, whether it's grain, whether it's fruits, zriya, natiya, it grew that day. It doesn't make sense to say all this is metaphor. So that means it's practical, it's physical. So when the Torah's Kainim continues, that the barren trees will give fruits, it's obviously not metaphoric, it's literal. Furthermore, Al-Darach the same is true in Masechus Ksuvus, when Rav says that the barren trees are going to give crudes, it's a series, it's a series of statements that when you read them, they have to be explained literally. Ludugma, for example, Reb Chanine Maskin Maskele. It says Reb Chanine prepared a scale in which he would weigh the stones of Eretz Yisrael versus the stones of the diaspora. And he showed that the stones of Eretz Yisrael are a lot heavier. Kategoriya Betamadich HaChamim. All metaphors, where the scale is a metaphor, the stones is a metaphor, would be very strange. Rekivin Shekane. So, so Reb Hanini used to prepare a scale, and it wasn't a scale, it was a metaphor. It doesn't make sense, it's a story. So now to say that the one statement about the barren trees, this is allegorical. It's not literal. It's really taking it out of context. It's not a way to learn. So you have to say that the Gemara and the Torah is going to mean literal. If it's literal that the barren trees are going to produce fruits, that is a change of nature. And it says that this is going to happen when Mashiach comes. And they prove it from the verses. How could the Rambam argue with this? And make a blanket statement. Don't think that anything is going to change in nature. We learned the Ravid has a big question on the Rambam. The Rambam, the, the Rebbe is asking from a Gemorian Suvas, the Ravid says, It says, I'm going to eliminate wild beasts from the land. Is that a metaphor? Is that a metaphor? 
So berad baz alasar. Berad vaz on the Rambam kosov veinzu alsoga kashem shesharik suvim marshal gamzam marshal. Berad vaz says you're right. The raivid, the Rambam holds it's a metaphor, just like the wolf. Living with a lamb is a metaphor. Eliminating wild, undomesticated beasts from the land is also a metaphor. Just like he said, the wolf represents the anti-Semite. And the lamb represents the Jew. And they're going to live together in peace. We won't have to deal with all the hatred and venomous persecution. It's going to be a beautiful, peaceful, loving world. I'm going to eliminate the wild beasts from the world. doesn't mean a change of nature. There won't be any more lionesses and cheetahs and tigers and hyenas. It means a metaphor. People who behave like wild, undomesticated beasts will be transformed. Beautiful. The Radva says, I don't know why the Ravid has a problem with this posse. Umamshich. And then the Radvaz continues. I'll tell you what you should really understand and believe. That actually in Eretz Yisrael, it's not going to be metaphoric. It's going to be literal. Like it says in Yeshaya Perek Yudalef, that the wild animals will not destroy each other in my holy mountain because the land will be filled with God awareness. The land, one land, Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, there will not be any more wild animals. Only Eretz Yisrael. Comes the Radvaz and he says a big chiddush. The Ravid's issue with the Ram, I don't have a problem. It's a metaphor. But I want to tell you the truth. There's a difference between Eretz Yisrael and the rest of the world. In the rest of the world... The world is going to continue according to its natural patterns. And that's what the Rambam meant. In Eretz Yisrael, over there, Taka, over there indeed, nature is going to change. And that's why he says, it says I'm going to eliminate a wild animal from the land, from Eretz Yisrael. Over there, there's Taka going to be unique changes. The rest of the world, not. And all the metaphors where it says the wolf will live with the lamb, not only in Eretz Yisrael, that's Taka, metaphor, because outside of Eretz Yisrael, there won't be any miracles that are going to alter the state of nature. If this is true, you could say, So then you could say, that the Rambam and the Ravid actually argue and their argument can be traced back to these two statements in Teres Kainim and in Mesechtek Suvis, which talk about barren trees. Did you notice the difference between Teres Kainim and Suvis? Let's see. In Gemara Suvis, the end of Suvis, the last lines, Rav says. The Ilone Israq, the barren trees in Eretz Yisrael are going to carry fruits. Titus Kainim, he just says Ilone Israq. The language indicates that it's everywhere, not only Eretz Yisrael. Vahavdil name. what's the difference? Here we see a difference. According to the Titus Kainim, the whole world is going to be altered. 
and therefore the barren trees everywhere will produce fruits. According to the Gemara, no, 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 the world is going to follow its natural order, and therefore barren fruits will not produce fruits. Eretz Yisrael is an exception. We could say beautifully, very gishmak, the Rambam follows Gemara Ksuvas, the Raivet follows Teres Kayanim. Haraivet, so we could say Teres Kayanim, Sheilan Yisrak, Stam Asidim Liyasai Sepedes. believing that the whole world is going to be altered. And therefore, barren trees in all regions, in all zip codes, are going to begin to produce fruit. And that's why the Rambam proves his point from the Pasuk Vishbati Chayeram in Aritz, which he explains not to be only in Eretz Yisrael. The whole world, wild beasts will be removed. It's not a metaphor. And in fact, if you look in Torah's Kayanim on the Pasuk, there's an argument here, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Yehuda says, God will remove the wild animals. Rabbi Shimon says, he will alter their nature that they won't be harmful anymore. But look, they changed the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Vishbati Chayiram in Aretz. Rabbi Yehuda says, Mavira Mina Oilam. Mina Oilam. Ooh, they don't learn Aretz, Aretz Yisrael. They see Aretz as the planet. Earth, planet Earth. So the Ravid follows that pattern. That the whole world is going to be changed. So therefore there won't be wild animals anywhere. Either they'll be eliminated like Rabbi Yehuda, or they'll be transformed like Rabbi Shimon, and all the barren trees will produce fruits. The Rambam follows the Gemara. The Gemara says, Ilan Israq in Eretz Yisrael will produce fruits. Meaning, in Eretz Yisrael, as the Radva says, over there you should believe that nature will be altered. But the rest of the world, the world will follow its patterns of nature. Okay, this is how the Radva sees the Rambam, and it fits beautifully with the Torah's Kayanim and the Gemara, and everything should be fine now. Why? The Rambam says, in Eretz Yisrael, you're right. You're right, I agree. I agree, nature will be altered. The rest of the world not. Says the Rebbe Dalid Aval Piru Sharadvaz Ainai Muvan Lichaira. Befrat Bazbaraz Divriharamba. But the truth is, if we reflect on the commentary of the Radvaz, it's really very difficult to understand, especially to explain the words of the Ramba. And let's let's take this apart. First question. Aizina question. Aleph. How can the Radvaz, how can you put this into the Rambam? You can't put this into the Rambam. And the truth is, it's possible that the Radvaz didn't even want to put this into the Rambam. The Radvaz was just saying, let me tell you how it's going to be. Even though it sounds like a little bit he's trying to interpret the Rambam. But take a look at the Rambam. The Rambam says, don't think that in the days of Mashiach, ye bottle davar mimin Anything in the natural patterns in which our planet runs will be obliterated or altered or transformed. Now, does this sound like Eretz Yisrael is different? If in Eretz Yisrael, there's going to be miracle after miracle, and nature will not continue in Eretz Yisrael. 
the reality will defy the laws of nature. The laws of nature will be metamorphosized and transformed radically. How could the Rambam say, just because it's not in every zip code, but if it's in Eretz Yisrael, this means that it's Bittl, Min So just the very premise to say that the Rambam holds that there's a difference between Eretz Yisrael and Chutz Laretz, it seems very, very difficult to put it into the Rambam. The Rambam doesn't even give us a hint that there's a difference between one part of the world and another part of the world. And if he would believe there's a, if he would, and if the Rambam believed there was a difference, then his words are completely inconsistent with that belief. Because the point of the Rambam is, when Mashiach comes, nature is going to continue. But if the whole Eretz Yisrael is going to be radically metamorphosized, sorry, that's not called nature continuing. If it's even one corner of the world where everything is transformed, so the point is that it's not Alpiteva. I don't care if it's one place or many places. It's, it's certainly Bittl Min Why? Because right now Eretz Yisrael also follows nature. And if then it's not going to follow nature, that is a radical change. So you can't say it's not going to be, not going to be a change. You can't put this into the Ram. I'm sorry, Jesus. Doesn't make sense. That means according to the Rambam, even in Eretz Yisrael, there will be no changes. This means the Rambam is not agreeing, not with Teres Koyenim and not with the Gemara, because he holds that barren trees are not giving any fruits. So there's a contradiction. That's question number one. Question number two is a very interesting question. A very original, very interesting question. Bimei ben Kuziva, Shedimu Huda Bakiva Chachmanderisho Melech HaMashiach. Do you remember Pedicure Aleph? The Rambam said, Mashiach is not going to have to make miracles. How do I know? Because Rabbi Akiva and all the sages of his generation believed and considered Ben Kuziva to be Mashiach. Now this was not just some fantasy and hallucination. He says, They were so convinced that he's Mashiach, they went to war against Rome, which means they endangered their lives. They could have surrendered to Rome, and maybe more Jews would have been saved. The Romans were Romans were brutal. But if they wouldn't have staged a rebellion, perhaps some lives would be saved. But they endangered their lives because Bar Kaichva said, we are going to liberate Judea from the Romans. And indeed, for a few years, Bar Kaichva was very successful. He even began to build the third base of Mikdash. They didn't work out at the end. Bar Kaichva was murdered. And the rebellion was crushed. But I don't know if you know that Bar Kaichva caused, Bar Kaichva, I think, was the one person in history who wiped out one or two complete Roman legions. It was incredible. He had incredible success. And Rabbi Akiva, the Chol Chachmi Doire, thought he's Mashiach. And from this story, the Rambam proves that Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles. Because it can't be the Rebekah, and all of the Chachamim were completely off target, completely erroneous in halacha. If part of the def- part of the definition of Mashiach and part of the proof that he is Mashiach is he has to produce miracles, how can they even consider Ben Kaifa to be a uh, to be a Mashiach? It's impossible. Just like a prophet, the Rambam says, "How do you know that a prophet is a prophet?" He says this in Ilchus The prophet has to predict the future, and if it's indeed materialized, you know that he's an authentic prophet. What happens if he predicts the future and it doesn't come true? Then you know he's a liar. The fact that they can say and ascertain that he's Mashiach. And the Rambam doesn't say, doesn't believe they made a mistake. 
They were fooled. They were duped. He doesn't believe they're Akiva. All the Chachamim who carry the truth of Torah, they are responsible for the Torah make such a mistake. They didn't make a mistake. They were right. Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles. The Rambam says he was killed because of sins. In other words, he ultimately could not, he did not fulfill his mission all the way. He did not bring the ghoul. He was killed because of sins. But it's not that they were erroneous in the criteria of Mashiach. So here is a big question. If the Rambam holds that part of Mashiach is miracles in Eretz Yisrael, where did the Bar Kaichva story happen? In New York? In Atlanta? In Los Angeles? In Chicago? In Toronto? Where did it happen? It happened in Eretz Yisrael. Where were the miracles? Where were the miracles? The Rambam proves from Bar Kaichu the Mashiach doesn't have to make miracles, that the world is going to follow nature, and that's why they didn't expect miracles. But you're saying that no, in Eretz Yisrael there will be miracles. So then the Rambam's proof is refuted. <laughs> they should have expected miracles. So obviously, it's much more logical to say that the Rambam holds that even in Eretz Yisrael, when Mashiach comes, nature will not be altered and the world will follow the patterns of nature. So we're back to square one. We say we have a serious question. It seems like the Rambam statement statements are in direct contradiction with the statements of Chazal that nature will be altered when Mashiach comes during the Messianic era. Hey, a new answer. The Sefer Avodas HaKodesh. Sefer Avodas HaKodesh of one of the greatest Kabbalists, Reb Meir ben Gabbai, 14th and 15th century. Mevayi, he says, Sha'olam kimin hagai noyeg means something else. Hainu Sha'kodesh Baruch Hu Yechadish Dvorim Chutz Minateva. Kol Anyanim Shemabriya Yiyu Altivam Besharshim Kameshahayu Betchilas Aviyasam Abriyasam. Avedis Akedish says, let me explain to you what the Rambam means. It means. God will not create new things that define nature, but he will allow the world to be restored to its pristine nature the way it was in the beginning of creation before the corruption and the downfall of Adam and Chava by eating of the tree of knowledge and all the subsequent all the subsequent sins and transgressions. Means the world will be restored to its original ideal state of reality the way it was in the beginning of creation. Indeed, there will not be a new world order. Nature will not be defined, but nature will be restored to its pristine state. If so, when the Titus Kainim says that you'll be able to plant fruits and they're going to be produced that day, or similar Mamari Chazal, it's not a problem, it's not a contradiction. Because the Rambam never says there's not going to be any things. The Rambam doesn't mean that there won't be any new things in nature that we don't have now. He means there won't be any radically new things in nature that we never had. But if this we had in the beginning of creation, in the times of Adam, like it says in Teres Kayanim, that fruits were produced the same day, the Rambam would be fine with that. Al Pizayashlaimagamba Bazing Yanamish, Bati Khayim Rabinar, it's Vilani Srakya Superis. 
gives us a new perspective. And this would answer the question. I'll eliminate wild animals from the world. Barren trees are going to produce fruits. The Ramam says, I agree, I have no problem. Chazal said it, of course it's going to happen. I, I told you nature will not be altered. This is not a real altering of nature. This is how creation was in the beginning. In the beginning of creation, all trees produced fruits, and no animal would harm any other animal. This is a famous in 37, he brings two Rambans, Ramban in the and Ramban in his Rosh Hashem Tamima. The Ramban explains that in the beginning of creation, animals did not kill each other. They didn't destroy each other. They didn't devour each other. They didn't devour human beings. And all barren trees gave fruits. In other words, nature was at its best. Through the sin of the tree of knowledge, things changed. Hashem says thorns are going to grow. Some trees become barren. With the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat bread. Some animals become wild and undomesticated. When Mashiach comes, nature goes back to itself. It's nature at its best. It's not a new nature. It's tivayim and hagay shaloylam. It's nature at its best. Beautiful. We answered everything. The Ramam has no problem. Barren trees will give fruits. I, I said nature is not changing. It's not changing. It's going back to its pristine, ideal properties. We're not defying the laws. We're not creating a new world. I knew Big question here. So why can the Rambam say the wolf will live with the lamb literally? <laughs> if, if, if according to nature, the animals didn't damage each other, so why does that have to be a metaphor? So he says in 37, it's possible that the Rambam holds that even before the Chet Eitzadas, there was no such a thing that an animal would harm somebody just to damage, out of anger or out of impulse. The only purpose would be part of the food chain, the food web for their food. So if that's the case, the wolf did not live with the lamb in the beginning of the Bria, not like the Ramban. Because the wolf would devour the lamb only for food, not to be mazik. So vishbati chayiram in aritz means you're not going to have a wild animal that's just trying to harm. But for food purposes, if it's hungry, that may happen. Because that was not there, but chila sabriya. So that's why the Rambam says the wolf will live with the lamb. That's a metaphor. This is perhaps a possible interpretation. Vav. V'yesh l'kashir's a... I'm going to say Vav outside. I'm going to say Vav outside. 
You could, you could follow it inside, but I'm just going to say it outside. If this explanation is true, a very different explanation than the Radvaz, this is a question based on the Avaidah Sakaidish. We can again connect it to a very interesting change between the language in Teres Kayanim and the language in Ksuvus. Teres Kayanim, it says, Ilane Sraka Sidim Liyas Barren trees are going to produce fruits. In Ksuvus and Gemara, it says, Ilane Sraka Yitanu Paris. Barren trees are going to carry fruits. They're going to be loaded with fruits. What's the difference? Oisimpedes sounds like they're going to naturally produce fruits, organically, just like other fertile fruit trees. Yitanupedes means they're going to be loaded with fruits. It sounds like it's not organic. It's really something that is alien to them. And the truth is, this difference, you could see in the psukim from which they derive their lesson. The Torah's Kodim learns it from the words of Eitzah Sode Yitain Piryai. All trees, including barrens, will produce fruits. The Gemara learns it from the Pasuk, Ki Eitz Nosa Piryai. The tree will carry, will be loaded with fruits. In other words, the Pasuk in Torah's Kodim, the Pasuk that the Gemara brings in Ksuvas distinguishes between Eitz and Te'ena and Gefen. Eitz is a barren tree. Is an eight tree, as Rashi explains. The, the Pasuk also distinguishes by the eight tree, they're going to produce their strength. Produce, not nosu, they're not carrying it. It also says, it's their strength, it's their own. By Elon Israq, it says, Nasa, they're going to carry it. It says, like, I put something on you. It's not coming from you. If I take fruits and I put it in a basket and I put it on your hands, you're carrying fruits, but it's not produced from you. So from the Tereskayanim, it seems like it's going to be organic. From the Gemara, it seems like it's going to be loaded with fruits, but it's not going to be from within. What's the difference? So the Rebbe says there's a fascinating argument in Medrash Rabbah. A fascinating argument in Medrash Rabbah. If in the beginning of creation, barren fruits produced fruits, barren trees produced fruits or not. Rev Rev Pinchas holds, this is Medrash Rabbah Parshahe, footnote 43. Rev Pinchas holds that even barren trees produced fruits in the beginning of creation. He learns it out from the Pasuk, it says in Bereshus, eights pre, eights isapri, that even barren trees produce fruits. So therefore, if when Mashiach comes, barren trees will produce fruits, it's not going to be a new thing that never was before. It's going to be restoring nature to its original glory, the way it was in the beginning of creation. In other words, when Hashem created trees in the beginning of creation, He created all trees with the ability and the capacity to produce fruits. It's just... In some trees, that capacity was dormant for thousands of years, and it's going to be triggered and aroused again. That's the view of the Teres Kayanim. Teres Kayanim is basically saying, in the context, that what happened by Adam is going to happen again. Growth happened in one day. The bark itself could be eaten. And one more thing, barren trees will come back to their original life and be able to produce life. The Gemara holds like the second opinion in Medrash. The second opinion in Medrash is... 
that in the beginning of creation, barren trees did not produce fruits. So when Mashiach comes and the trees are going to produce fruits, they're not going to produce it. It's going to be a chiddush. It's going to be an innovation. It's like carrying it. There's going to be something alien. Even though these trees are going to grow fruits, but it's not going to be organic, holistic, like from the tree itself, basically revealing the true nature of the tree the way it was in the beginning of creation. No, it's as though you're loading the tree with fruits from somewhere else because it's not part of the DNA of the tree in the original of, in the original project of creation. If this is the case, so then, the Rambam would work very well. The Rambam doesn't have to disagree with Maimari Chazal. The Rambam could follow the Torah Skayanim, who says, who says that what? That Ilone Srak are going to have fruits, and who believes, as we explained, that in the beginning Ilon Yisrak had fruits. In other words, it's part of the DNA of all trees. It's just that this nature was dormant and latent and repressed for thousands of years. And when Mashiach comes, it's going to come back to the original Teva of the world, and therefore it's no contradiction to what the Rambam is saying based on the Avodah HaKadosh, and it seemed like we answered all the questions. Comes the Rebbe and says, Zayin Aval Kadaikas Shapiri Efshalil but if we go a little deeper, it still doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why? Key. Aleph. This explanation in Teres Koyenim, that barren trees will be changed in the future based on how they were in the beginning of creation is a problematic. We're trying to prove that the Rambam is attaching himself to a view that Ilone Srak made Pedis in the beginning of the world, in the beginning of creation. In other words, it's part of the DNA. So it can happen when Mashiach comes. And we're trying to explain that's the idea of Teres Koenim versus Gemara Ksuvus. Gemara Ksuvus says it didn't happen before, it's going to happen only when Mashiach comes. And that's why it's as though the trees are being loaded with fruits from elsewhere, even though the fruits are growing from the tree. But it's essentially alien, it's a chiddish in the tree. The Teres Koenim says, no, it's really organic, it's part of the DNA, it was just dormant for so many years. But one second, read the Teres Koenim, you'll see it's inconsistent. Teres Koenim gives a list of many things that used to be in the times of Adam. For example, planting and growing the same day. Planting and vegetation the same day. The bark was eaten. When it comes to the detail, and the Tereskoinim proves from the Psukim that these qualities exist during the days of Adam Arishan. When the Tereskoinim speaks about barren trees producing fruit when Mashiach comes, it does not say this was in the time of Adam Arishan. On the contrary, he learns it out from Apostolic and Parishes B'chukaisi about the future. The Eitzhasode Yitain period after the Geula. This means, according to the Tereskoinim, it's not part of the DNA of creation. It's actually a Chiddush of the future that was not in the past. If it's part of the future that was not in the past, then if the Rambam would agree to it, then the Rambam is saying that nature is being transformed. So he's contradicting himself. So you have to say the Rambam does not hold that barren trees will produce fruits, but that mamish contradicts what the Chazal say. Base. 
Das Rippin, Chesishi Mitzad, Habriya Atum Mitzatsivia Kadish Baruchu, Hayutsrichim Lias Ilani Srak, Elisha Aditz Shinsam Yatsivivilani Srak, Nasu Pedis, Olachra Chetis, Batla Shinui, Nimtsishim in Hogishalayla Mitzad Atsmi Ulahepech Shihilani Srak. Even if you're gonna wanna quench, and say that when the Torah's Kayanim says, like the days of Adam, it's including also this detail of barren trees. If you look at the view of Rapinchas, he actually says that when Hashem created the world, he wanted there to be barren trees. It was a rebellion of the trees that even the barren trees produced fruits in contrary to God's commandment. And after the sin, this rebellion was silenced. So this means that if you take back nature to its pristine glory, there are supposed to be barren trees. So even if you want to say that the way it was by Adam, there were barren trees that produced fruits, based on Rapinchas' view, but according to Rapinchas, it was actually an aberration. The trees did the wrong thing. So you say, when Mashiach comes, we're going to go back to the trees sinning? That doesn't make sense. We're going to go back to the glory of nature, to the pristine nature, and that means that there's going to be barren trees. But Chazal are saying that when Mashiach comes, the barren trees are going to produce fruits. That means there's going to be a new thing here. So we have a very serious problem. Now, you could answer this, like he does in 48, you could say that there are bond holds that there were fruits and barren trees before creation, and that was the original nature, and then it was corrupted. So the Rambam would agree with that. Taken not based on the Torah's Kayan and Mela, not based on Repinchas. You could say, but now we come to the real question. Any way you want to look at this, we have a big problem, okay? Kasha, we come now back to the crux of the issue. Kasha lefarish kein bedas Rambam. Honestly and objectively, when you read the words of the Rambam, don't think when Mashiach comes, nature is going to change. You could see he's not only negating a radical metamorphosis in creation, he's negating anything that alters the pattern of the world. And nobody's going to tell me that when barren trees start producing fruits, everybody's going to look and say, oh, this is the natural pattern of the universe. The Rambam says, don't think Mashiach is going to be mevatal min What does a minhig mean? Minhig means routine, behavior. Tradition, the way people live, the way people behave. Mashiach is not going to make any changes in means the way the world runs, <laughs> the way the world behaves, the way nature operates in a st- an established, fixed way. who cares when this pattern was established? 
the pattern that barren trees don't give fruits, if it was established this first Tuesday of creation, or if it was established a few days later. Tell me, what's the mimic of barren trees, to give fruits or not to give fruits? For thousands and thousands of years, these trees don't give fruits. And for thousands and thousands of years, these animals are wild, undomesticated, dangerous beasts. So you're going to tell me, because for a few days, 5,781 years ago, these animals were on good behavior, and these trees were fertile, so now when Mashiach comes, and these animals are completely transformed, and these trees are transformed, we're going to say, oh, this is the pattern of the world. This is the meaning of the island. Come on. How could you put this into the Rambam? It's inconsistent. It's, 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 it seems intellectually dishonest. Minhagar Shalaylam is that barren trees don't produce fruits. And wild animals are wild animals. And if suddenly they alter their behavior, it's a bitl minhagar shalaylam. So to take this avaydah sakaydash and to impose it on the Rambam seems unfair. He says it's absurd to say that the nature of barren trees hasn't changed. They're really supposed to produce fruits and they're like regular trees. There's like an external reason God made a decree, some technical thing, they don't produce fruits. An example would be, let's say it doesn't rain. It doesn't rain, he says in 51, ain't mutter yoyrit. If this doesn't rain, you're not going to say, oh, the tree is an infertile tree, it's a fine tree, it just didn't rain, it didn't get enough water. So you could say maybe the same thing. Really, this tree produces fruits. Hashem made a decree, it shouldn't produce fruits. The same is true with the animals. These animals are the most domesticated, well-mannered, well-behaved. They love you. They're not wild. It's a technical thing, you know, they're scared of something. He says it's, it's not a way of... And then, therefore, so min is they should be who they are. It, it should rain and there should be fruits. The Rebbe says it doesn't make sense to touch it like that. Obviously, we understand that after Chetetzadas, the nature of these trees changed and the nature of these animals changed. Even if you want to say that before the Chetetzadas, they would talk of a different nature. And therefore, to put in the Rambam these words, and to say that according to the Rambam, barren trees are going to produce fruits, wild animals are going to be eliminated or transformed, and this works with the words of the Rambam, is intellectually dishonest. This is a bitl min shalaylam. It's a chiddush in my sabreshes. So we're back to square one. The Radvaz didn't work for us. Tavaydes HaKadosh didn't work for us. We're trying to understand what the Rambam was thinking. The Rambam knew a Gemara in Ksuvis. The Rambam knew a Tairas Kayanim. The Rambam knew Vishbati Chayiram in Aretz. So Vishbati Chayiram in Aretz, you could say, is a marshal. Like the Radvaz say. But the Ilani Srak is not a marshal. How can he say there won't be a Dabu Menagashalayla? He can't contradict a Gemara with a Tairas Kayanim. They have Psukim. This is what Chazal believed. How can the Rambam say, don't think that Mashiach is going to change, but Mashiach, anything of nature is going to change? We're going to learn one more Sif, Sif Ches. And then we're going to take a break. For you, when they're back to Toysfus beer, Bedas Hagemara, Bedas Rambam, all this will be understood by delving more into the Rambam. 
The Rambam says when Mashiach comes, the world will follow patterns of nature because he follows the opinion which he himself quotes in Halacha Beis, Perikid Beis Halacha Beis, the opinion of Shmuel, that the only distinction between this world and Mashiach is subjugation of the kingdoms where the Jews are under a tyranny. That's the only difference. Clearly Shmuel holds there's no other difference. If barren trees are going to produce fruits, then there's a big difference between Elam and Mashiach. But if you say the only difference is that the Jews will not be oppressed anymore, they're going to be free, they're going to be emancipated, they're going to be able to live fully as Jews, the world will be at peace. That's a difference within the realm of nature. You don't have to define nature. So Shmuel says, This is a Gemara in Brachas, between Reb Bar Abba in the name of Reb Yochanan and Shmuel. Reb Bar Abba in the name of Reb Yochanan held that all of the prophecies that we read in Tanakh about unique things that are going to happen in the world all relate to Mashiach. There are going to be many changes. Shmuel holds there won't be any changes. Besides, Jews will not have anybody on their backs. Shibud Malchias will be gone. Obviously, the Rambam embraces Shmuel. He says it clearly in Allah Chabais that Chazal said, And this is the source for his opinion that what? That nature will not be altered. Okay? So now you might say, okay, so what do you want from the Rambam? The Rambam is following Shmuel. What do you want from the Rambam? However Shmuel explains all the Gemaras, the Rambam will explain the Gemaras. Right? So what do you want from the Rambam? Okay. So we transfer the question from the Rambam to Shmuel. Does Shmuel disagree with Rav that the Ilan Yisrak will give fruits? Does the Shmuel disagree that Teres Kim will give fruits? But before we get there, so it's clear the Rambam is following Shmuel. The Lechem Mishnah in Hilchis Tshuva asks two bomb questions. The Lechem Mishnah in Rambam Hilchis Tshuva Perik Ches says it's clear that there is a major contradiction in Rambam. Isa Begemar, the Gemara says in Baruch Islam Adalit, all the prophets prophesied about the beautiful things that are going to happen about the days of Mashiach. The future world, post-Mashiach. This no eye has perceived outside of God. Nobody even knows what Elam Haba is. Upligid Shmuel. Rebchia bar Abba argues with Shmuel. Shmuel holds the only difference is subjugation of kingdoms. In Hilchis Tshuva Perikhes, the Rambam quotes Rebchia bar Abba. The Rambam says, quote, Amru Chachamim, Kol Anavim Kulam Loinis Nabu Ela Lemaisa Mashiach, Avolelam Haba, and Lairas Elikim Zulosach. I don't understand. Something is very strange. In Hilchis Tshuva, the Rambam clearly quotes Rebchia bar Abba. In other words, he embraces this view. That Elam Haba is unique, but all the prophecies are about Mashiach. 
in Hilchus Malachim, he clearly embraces the view of Shmuel, which is at odds with the view of Reb Bar So there is an inherent paradox in the Rambam, in his own magnum opus, in Yad HaChazaka, in one place he embraces one view of Mashiach, and in another place he embraces the opposite view of Mashiach. The Gemara clearly says that there are odds with each other. You can't say they're not. The Gemara says Reb Bar Abba, the name of Reb is arguing with Shmuel. Chiyabarabba holds that the prophecies of Mashiach are unique to the days of Mashiach where extraordinary things are going to happen. Shmuel says, no, no, no. Jews will be emancipated from subjugation. That's the only thing that's going to happen. The only thing that's going to happen. In Hilchus Tshuva, the Rambam takes one side. In Hilchus Malachim, he takes the opposite side. Lachamishna asks one more major question. Very powerful question. Listen to this. Isib Mishnah. There's a Mishnah in Masech the Shabbos, Daf Samach Gimel. On Shabbos, you're not allowed to carry. You're allowed to wear clothes, but you're not allowed to carry clothes in your hand. You're not allowed to carry a hat. You're not allowed to carry a cup. Are you allowed to carry a sword? People would go out in the street with a sword or a bow. You're not allowed to. And if you did inadvertently, time of the Beis Hamikdash, you have to bring a sin offering for violating Shabbos inadvertently. Rebbe says, you're allowed to. It's like ornaments. It's like jewelry. People wear jewelry on Shabbos. They wear ornaments on Shabbos. This is an ornament. It's a beautiful, it's part of the aesthetical garments for Shabbos. To wear a sword is a disgrace. Shemar, the Pasuk says, That when Mashiach comes, they will crush their swords into plowshares. And their spears, they will turn into prune hooks. A nation won't lift a sword to another nation and they will not learn combat any longer. If a sword and a bow and other weapons are ornaments, why does the prophet tell us that when Mashiach comes, they will all be obliterated? They're going to take their swords and turn them into plowshares. They're going to take their spears and turn them into prune hooks. If Rebeliezer is right that they're ornaments, why can't there be ornaments when Mashiach comes? Why do they have to be obliterated? So proof, say the Chachamim, that these ornaments are no ornaments. They're weapons. They're instruments of war, of combat, of negativity, of battle. Of course when Mashiach comes, they're going to be obliterated. So how can you walk out with them on Shabbos? We're not talking about if it's Pikuach Nefesh, you're going to war. We're talking about Stam, walk on Shabbos with these. These are not garments. These are not something decorative. You wear a tie, you wear a suit, you wear a nice hat. A woman wears a piece of jewelry. These are not jewelry. What are you wearing them for? It's not a lavush. If you need it for war, it's actually a disgrace. When Mashiach comes, it's going to be obliterated. That's what the Chachamim hold. The Gemara brings two explanations in Ebelezer. One opinion holds that actually Ebelezer also holds that weapons will be obliterated when Mashiach comes. He doesn't agree with Shmuel that there won't be any difference between this world and Mashiach's world. He holds like Reb Barabba there will be a difference and there won't be any weapons. And the reason why he holds that weapons are ornaments now, he gives an example. 
Because when you need weapons for war, they also serve as ornaments. When you don't need them for war, then they're useless. They're not even ornaments. He gives an example. A candle is beautiful in the middle of the night. By day, when you don't need it, it's not beautiful. Another view in the Gemara. A second opinion is Rebelezer actually holds like Shmuel. The weapons will not be obliterated when Mashiach comes. In other words, Mashiach is going to be the world just like this world. And therefore, there's going to be weapons. Because our world, there are weapons. The only difference is Jews are going to be free and emancipated. They won't be subjugated anymore, but there will be weapons. And therefore, Rebelezer holds... They won't be obliterated anymore. And therefore he holds it's an ornament. Even when Mashiach comes, it's going to be here. But what does the Chachamim hold? The Chachamim hold, everybody believes the Chachamim hold that when Mashiach comes, there won't be any weapons. And that's why if you go out today with a weapon on Shabbos, it's not an ornament, it's not a lavush because it's a disgrace, it's not decorative, it's not honorable, it's not dignified, it's like not like another cloak that you wear, and therefore you of chadas, if you went out from a private domain to a public domain, or you walked four cubits in a public domain, you have to bring a carbon chadas. Who does the Rambam paskin like in Hilchas Shabbos? Rabbi Eliezer or the Chachamim? Harambam paiskidas Chachamim. The Rambam and Hilchas Shabbos Perik Yutes Halocha Aleph embraces the view of the Chachamim. If you go out with a sword or with a bow with other weapons on Shabbos, inadvertently, if you didn't know the Halacha, you didn't know it's Shabbos, you have to bring a carbon chatos because you violated Shabbos. One second. But Shesayvrim Day is like Ishmael. The Gemara says clearly Shabbos Davsamach Gimel. Any way you spin Rebelezer, the Chachamim certainly disagree with Shmuel. And that's why they say, They will plow, they will destroy, they will crush the swords into plowshares and transform the spears into prune hooks. In other words, into instruments made to produce food, to give nutrients and nutrition to the world. Gewaldic. Not like Shmuel. It's going to be a world with no weapons. A world with no combat. A world with no conflict. Not the world of Shmuel. The world of Rebchei Rabba. Not just that the Jews themselves won't be another under another Malchus. The Gemara clearly says they don't hold like Shmuel. So here we have a big problem in the Rambam. In Hilchah Shabbos, the Rambam embraces the Chachamim, believing that they're not ornaments. Why are they not ornaments? So you have to hold like Shmuel, because if you hold that they're not ornaments, you have to hold like Shmuel. I'm sorry, if you hold that they're not ornaments, you have to hold like Rebchiyah Barabba, not like Shmuel. And the Rambam clearly embraces that view, and suddenly in Hilchah Shmolochim, he tells us, no... It's like Shmuel, Olam Kimin Hagenoi, there's no difference, only Shibud Malchis. What is going on here? So this Rambam is so riddled with paradox. First of all, he's contradicting the clear Mamari Chazal about what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. Second of all, he's contradicting himself between Hilchis Tshuva and Hilchis Malachim. Third of all, he's contradicting himself between Hilchis Shabbos and Hilchis Malachim. 
So we're left with an enigma. We're left with a difficult Rambam. How are we supposed to read the Rambam? What is the Rambam telling us? How is the Rambam understanding these halakas? How is he contradicting himself internally? Between Hilchus Tshuva, Hilchus Shabbos, Hilchus Malachim. Hilchus Tshuva, he follows Rebchia Barabba. Hilchus Shabbos, he weiter follows Rebchia Barabba. And Hilchus Malachim, suddenly he embraces Shmuel. And again, he's contradicting what Chazal clearly say about the times of Mashiach. And Sif Tess... We're going to take a break now and see if Tess, the Rebbe asks his final question on the Rambam. <laughs> his final question on the Rambam, which really, really creates the biggest problem of all the problems here. How the Rambam says it. And the biggest question is the Rambam says in Ilkhus Truva. If you deny resurrection of the dead, you don't have a chalik in Olam Haba. How could the Rambam say when Mashiach comes, the nature won't be changed? Dead people being resurrected as part of nature. What is going on there? This allows us and challenges us to reread the Rambam. And when we reread the Rambam, we're going to discover that the Rambam in Pedikid Aleph and Pedikid Beis has a very clear mahalach, revolutionizing for us what Mashiach is. And what Mashiach is going to accomplish. And what the definition of Mashiach is. And why it's the fundamental of 13 fundamentals of Yiddishkeit. And why somebody who doesn't believe in him or await his coming undermines the very foundation of Torah. The Rambam is following one trajectory, one mahalach. What is Mashiach? From a Jewish perspective, from a halachic perspective. And then the moment we can define that, everything will fall into place like a puzzle, like a mosaic, like a perfect mosaic and tapestry. All the contradictions will be resolved. Part two. I'll see you Sunday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Be'ezer Hashem neder. Have a wonderful evening. Let's take some questions. If they're going to return to their true nature, why is that bitul minhagah because Minhagay Shaloilam is not about their true nature and not their true nature. Minhagay Shaloilam is what's the meaning of the Welt? the Welt. That's the Pshat. Minhagay Shaloilam is not if it's the true nature, not the true nature. the Welt. If this is completely in defiance of the behavior of the world, it's Bittul Minhagay Shaloilam. Why can't the Rambam hold that in Eretz Yisrael, nature will change? He just says nature won't change outside of Eretz Yisrael. Because he doesn't say that. <laughs> the Rambam doesn't say, in outside of Eretz Yisrael, nature won't change. Take a look in the words of the Rambam. That's why we learned the Rambam in the beginning. Study the Rambam well and you'll see. <laughs> the Rebbe is very accurate in the words of the Rambam. Look at the words. He doesn't say in Chutz Laretz. He doesn't give any hint that it's Chutz Laretz. And on the contrary, if in Eretz Yisrael nature will change, that is Bittu Min That is a Chiddush in Maise so therefore, to put the Radbaz's Chiddush, the Radbaz's Chiddush in the Rambam is difficult. If I'm not mistaken, when the Rebbe said the Siyum, he said over the Radvaz, and he said, Lani is daiti, you can't say this in the Rambam. Because of this question. And the question of Ben Kuziva, that there were no miracles in Eretz Yisrael. And they didn't have a problem with that. That means you don't need miracles in Eretz Yisrael. These questions on the Rambam seem so strong. 
how can they be answered? Ooh, that's good. That's good. That means you understood the questions. And Be'ez Hashem, you'll understand the answer as well. Bottom line, did the lions eat lambs after creation, before the sin of the tree of knowledge? Did leopards eat goats? Did plants grow in one day? If so, this is their true nature. So what we see today is not their true nature. After Mashiach, they will return to their true nature before evil and good were mixed up because of Adam's sin. So what's the problem? Again, let's say even this is their true nature. Let's say. And this nature was distorted. But after thousands of years, if you're going back to their true nature, it's bitl min shaloylam. Besides all the other questions in the sicha that you could learn inside. Everybody, I wish you a wonderful evening. A lot of hatzlocha. We should see the gilu of Mashiach, b'mheira b'yameinu, amen, before the next year. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.